Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit, the horror movie review podcast for horror fans and fanatics alike. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, delivering horror movie reviews and discussions of both classic and current films every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for your twisted pleasure. Please be aware that episodes may include spoilers, and as always, I hope you enjoy. For today's episode of Daily Horror Habit, I'm joined once again by friend of the show Bernie to continue our series review of the Saw franchise with a look at the 2017 reboot Jigsaw. Jigsaw, which is currently streaming on Peacock TV, was directed by the Spierig Brothers and served as a reboot for the Saw franchise after a seven-year hiatus between 2010's Saw, the not-final chapter. Once again, a group of victims have found themselves at the mercy of Jigsaw's moral mutilation games, while a group of detectives and medical examiners race against the clock to find the victims before their time is up. But if there's one thing we've learned over the course of the series, nothing is what it seems as seeing isn't always believing. So without further ado, welcome back once again. We're doing this person for the first time, which is a lot of fun. It's nice that we have in these weird COVID times, you know, it's it's very strange sitting across the table from you, but I'm looking forward to chatting about... uh, Jigsaw, which was one of the Saw films that I'd previously seen, mm-hmm. but you know, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of other horror movies <laughs> in between the first time I saw this and now, so mm-hmm. it was probably the one that I remembered the least. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of just excited to dive into it and mm-hmm. talk about the reboot, uh, considering we talked about the final chapter last time, which we uh, we certainly had some harsh views on. <laughs> we certainly did. It's, um, I imagine we'll probably end up circling to this at the end and and reiterating this, but this was definitely a better movie than the final chapter. Um, Without question. But I think in, in terms of really stacking this up, this is still one of the weaker uh, entries into the franchise. Yeah. And, you know, I thought we could start our conversation by beginning with kind of just talking about it as a reboot rather than sort of. like a reboot on its own merits, right? Not sort of just comparing it to the last chapter, which is like a very low bar, but we'll get to that, I think, towards the end of it. But just Mm -hmm. kind of talking about it on its own merits. And I mean, how does Jigsaw on its own stand as a reboot for the series that's been dormant for almost a decade at this point? Because like we said in the Mm -hmm. intro, uh, the final chapter, 2010, and then nothing for seven years, and Mm -hmm. now Jigsaw, and then, of course, we'll get into Spiral, which uh, would come out four years post Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess kind of just how did you find Jigsaw? You'd seen it before, but how do you yeah. find it holds up? Um, you know, I think for the most part, the death scenes in particular, there are some unique ones uh, and some that are, uh, you know, I, I could say maybe crack the top 10 of, uh, you know, coolest deaths in the Saw series. Oh, wow. Um, but overall, I, you know, again, I, I think it's difficult when you look at it and I guess I'm kind of cheating on, on uh, answering this question a little bit. <laughs> it's, it's hard when you look back at the first movie mm-hmm. and you were invested in those characters, right? Mm-hmm. And progressively as we've moved on, because we know there's going to be a new batch of characters that are going to get mowed down in some crazy way, right? Mm-hmm. You lose that, I don't know, you lose that connection to them in some kind of way. Now, obviously that also comes in place with the acting quality that, that <laughs> we're being shown, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's, I think a part of saw really comes down to you enjoying the characters or having 
a connection to them in some way and rooting them on. I think the the challenge with some of the last movies, and this doesn't even just relegate to the final chapter, is you know we just don't give a shit about the people that are in this anymore. An understatement. Yeah, and so then it just really starts to become a movie about gore rather than a movie. Again, saying that Saw is a movie of substance is a little bit is, is a little <laughs> silly, but you know there's at least some kind of semblance of a story that we were going for Mm -hmm. whereas now uh storyline wise this movie just yeah i I was not really happy where they really (laughs) threw threw a wrench into us but um certainly again uh to 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 wrap up that question i think that this ends up being as good of a what is this the eighth entrance entry right i believe so yes yeah I don't know many other eighth entries that I would even beg, uh, you know, to to look at watching, mm-hmm. let alone finish the movie. Right. Um, so to that effect, I mean, y- you got to give credit to where credits due. Um, they made a, a shit ton of money in the box office <laughs> too, uh, so we're certainly not the only ones to watch it. But I mean, I I certainly think for what it was, it it hit the mark on what it needed to. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think it's funny that whenever we kind of like begin to talk negatively about any of these mm-hmm. movies. In the back of my mind, I'm always just like, yeah, but it made a shit ton of money. (laughs) And it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. That's why they kept pumping these movies out. But Mm -hmm. no, you know, it's one of those things where if you're going to reboot anything, to a certain extent, unless you have like a true visionary director, I think. Like one of the things that, whether it be a reboot or a remake and whatnot, is that if it's like a true visionary director, they're going to give their own unique spin on it, right? And I think, I mean, the Evil Dead remake from 2013 is probably the best example of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's got all the familiar puzzle pieces and yet it's very different tonally mm-hmm. and they take some liberty, creative liberties mm-hmm. and whatnot that make that a reboot that I think is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Whereas with something like this, I wasn't expecting them to deviate much from what they had done previously just because of, again, the monumental success, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about something like Saw and you want to reboot it, for the most part, you're going to play it safe, right? Mm-hmm. Because even though the quality waned going from one to uh, the final chapter, right. it doesn't matter at the end of the day because they're making so much money that, yeah, we get little deviations here and there from what previous soft films had done. But at the end of the day, they're very formulaic towards leading up to the final chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Which is expected. The reboot, I was anticipating it being very sort of vanilla because mm-hmm. it's the new base. It's yeah. a new sort of just baseline. We're going to reboot things, something familiar. You have to have Tobin Bell in there for some cameos, some brutal gore and whatnot. Not a whole lot of risks. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, yeah, Jigsaw accomplishes that. Mm-hmm. Does that actually make for a good film though and an enjoyable film? I think it it's complicated, right? Because I started this by saying like, we need to talk about this on the merits of its being just a reboot and not just comparing it to the previous films. But at the same time, like you can't not do that. Right. But also it's the idea that if this is considered a reboot, you need to have a blueprint or a game plan for what this is rebooting. Right. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that these films used to be released one year after the next, right. They're Mm -hmm. just churning them out like clockwork. And we see the dip in quality because of that demand, right? Right. And I mean, anything, you're not going to be able to keep a quality of a certain standard when it's like, okay, you've got an 11 and a half month turnaround or something like that. Mm -hmm. So to see them go from Jigsaw and then another four years 
before the next one. Mm-hmm. And granted, can't comment on Spiral yet. Neither of us have seen it. And that'll mm-hmm. be uh, our next, the next sort of chapter in our uh, series review. Mm-hmm. It's the reality, though, that calling this a reboot sets a certain standard, right? right. It's not just that we're returning to Saw. We're, this is the new jumpstart for the series. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's complicated when talking about Jigsaw because you're like, okay, I give this a little more leeway in terms of my criticisms if we're expecting to get another one in a year or two years. Right. But Spiral didn't come out for four years. And based on its performance, I'm sure it was profitable again. We'll get into mm-hmm. that in our Spiral episode but the reality is, is that it doesn't seem like this is following any sort of blueprint. It seems right. like it's going based off of the reception, which, yeah, all movies do that with their sequels and whatnot. But I don't know that Jigsaw has the confidence behind it mm-hmm. and going into spiral with that. Like, does this have the confidence to actually be a reboot or do they just want to make another Saw movie because we hadn't had one in almost 10 years? I mean, I personally think it's them... I, I think it's a cash grab, mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because um, listen, if you can, you know, they. I think the budget was ten million, and they made a hundred and four, hundred five million dollars. <laughs> yeah. This is absolutely ludicrous. Ten xing your money on a shitty movie like this, Mazel Tov. <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's that's great business. I can't I can't fault him for that. But again, movie quality wise, I I would agree to your point that listen, like Tobin Bell is the the workhorse in this anytime you see tobin bell in a jig in, in a saw or a jigsaw movie you're gonna be happy just because yeah. there is just an aura about him like he encapsulates that role perfectly um i'm sure he's a very pleasant guy in, in real life <laughs> but man he is a scary motherfucker in those movies <laughs> but like outside of that the story and i just you know, again, horror movies not necessarily always need to have the best storylines, but in this particular case, it does have to have some reasonable kind of grasp of reality. I mean, it just, they keep throwing so many curveballs at us to where people that like watch all these movies have no fucking idea what's going on. <laughs> and especially in these last two movies where, you know, they've just, it's kind of like they hit black ice and they're just trying to steer the car in every possible direction. Yeah. But it's still just, you know, flipping and turning and eventually <laughs> it's going to crash. Hopefully, again, the, the spiral movie kind of changes that trajectory. But um, I, I certainly was disappointed with the direction that they took this. Um, in trying to make it, you know, we don't need to jump too far ahead of it, but in trying to make this more than it should have been, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my big problems with this being such a vanilla reboot in a lot of ways. And I mean, I think it does something well, which I'll get into in a minute. But I mean, Jigsaw as a whole, when you frame this as being the reboot for a franchise that is supposedly going to be kicked out with some frequency, which it doesn't end up being... It's one of those things where it's like, if the expectation is, is that we're getting another one soon, and this is the true reboot Genesis spark to kind of just create a whole new laundry list of Saw movies that, who knows, maybe there might be more creative deviations and kills and get some fresh blood in there, people that have nothing to do with the past Saw films. I can sort of forgive it for being as vanilla and sort of homage heavy, because let's be honest, this is basically sort of a blending of Saw 1, 2, and 3 yeah. all together in terms of like the storytelling techniques, mm-hmm. right? You've got this new game. 
it, the people that are stuck in this game, their story is running concurrently with the police and the medical examiners who are trying to solve this. Right. Their jigsaw is supposedly dead in this timeline and whatnot. So there's a lot of callbacks and sort of just blending of elements that if this is the setup for the next three or four movies, like I'm not going to fault it that much. But when, and I mean, the way you described it as being sort of a cash grab, I would agree with the essence of that, right? It's mm-hmm. this idea that this movie ended up being like, yeah, we're going to bring back Saw, but it seems like they're just bringing it back because they want to make money, which, yeah, obviously producers are like that and they want right. to get their check and whatnot. But from a fan standpoint, it kind of just feels like, well, we need to make one of these. And if it if it's hot, it's hot and we'll make more. If it's not, then we can just let it die again, right. which from a fan standpoint is kind of shitty. It's like, I, I mean, I enjoy, I've enjoyed several of these saw movies but i wouldn't necessarily say like this is one of my favorite series or anything like that Mm -hmm. so i don't have that sort of like fandom angle behind it but it's the type of thing where it's like i want to see every horror franchise thrive and whatnot and get new sequels and get even weirder and get new voices in there to tell those stories but in terms of just like this movie on its own it doesn't look great in terms of like you're not following this up. It's not really building or leading to anything. It's just another Saw movie, which when it borrows so heavily from the first three films, that's a really bad look, I think. I think it Mm kind of just looks, it comes off as being lazy rather than it being actual like fan service. It kind of just feels like, well, this shit worked in the previous films, so we will just try it again. And then if this movie takes off, it takes off. If not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. But, um, yeah, I guess let's get into kind of just like the narrative of it. I mean, sure. how do you feel that they really juggled the dual storylines? Because again, like I said, you've got these people that are stuck in the current game and then you get, are cutting between them and the cops and the medical examiners that are trying to solve this. Um, I mean, I think that it's certainly there was a unique way to enter the the or to start the movie off rather. Mm-hmm. Um, we typically see people in... Uh, you know, some sort of like an enclosure or something like that, right? Um, in one of the traps. Yeah, in one of the traps, right. Uh, this was a car chase that turned into a guy running onto a roof, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah. And he's holding up uh, a, detonator. A, a detonator, yeah, and he gets shot. Um, and throughout that whole process, his wonderful acting, he's talking about <laughs> uh, how, like, the game is beginning or something ominous to that effect, right? So, like, we obviously know that shit's about to get real, but um, it's it's just very odd to that effect because I, I think this... I think when you start off with one of those crazy kills in those movies... It build it starts to build momentum. Mm. I think people like you know, for instance, me. I was more confused at what the fuck was happening because that's you know this seemed like a Law and Order SVU beginning than anything else, right? <laughs> that's was, such a great comparison. I was waiting for Mariska Hargitay to pop out, but yeah. like I I don't know. I I think that that really encapsulates the whole movie in that there's not really a direction. It yeah. just seems like it's a just they threw a bunch of scenes together in hopes of making it kind of stick. Mm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly wasn't the the biggest fan of the opening, but it was unique. I mean, what, what did you think about it? Yeah, you know, I can appreciate them doing something different, but at yeah. the same time, I feel like the basis of these films, like you have to go with the strengths. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I would call every one of the traps a strength or that they ne- every film ne- necessarily uh 
captures the sort of essence of that in a way mm-hmm. that is unique or whatever, aside from the gore aspect, right? I think that there is a level of creativity there and just like how depraved these traps can be before people even start getting their limbs twisted and torn off and mm-hmm. all of these, the nastiness of the series and whatnot. Right. So I definitely agree with you though, that the films that begin with the trap, it does set a certain, it sets off the momentum of the film in a way. And it kind of like gives the audience what they want up front, right. what they're craving for. And then they kind of like pull back a little bit and they flesh that characters and world out as much as they can again to varying uh, success throughout the course of the series. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was when you're comparing like how some of the films have opened up to that, you're like, okay, so this is just kind of like a bad law and order SVU intro or whatever. <laughs> right. And it did feel it very melodramatic in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. which has been an issue with the last few films, right? There's always this sort of melodramatic uh, character interactions and things where like the cops chase the guy onto the rooftop and then like the bad boy cop shows up and you know he's a bad boy because he drives a Mustang and he smokes (laughs) cigarettes and he walks on to this like Mexican standoff where it's like, um, he's got the cool line like, uh, Edgar, what's going on, man? Or something like that. He's like, Mm -hmm. buddy, buddy. And it's just like, okay, man, like this is a pretty tense situation. You're kind of like just completely making a mockery of all of it Mm -hmm. so it was definitely one of those things where it was like i can appreciate that they opened the film differently yeah but at the same time when you see what they delivered you're just like well you should have just stuck with something that has worked in the past yeah uh to a degree but yeah it's one of those things though where i think the film for a majority of it the way that they handle the dual storylines i think is done well enough right it's that type of thing where again i'd seen this before but i think they do a good enough job of masking the big twist Mm -hmm. that you are really just like what the hell or you could never see it coming which again i don't know that it's it might just be it's convoluted for the sake of being convoluted because at the end of the day this is kind of like a and this is in quotes like the greatest hits of the saw narrative twists and whatnot Mm -hmm. all pushed into one but at least it kind of just keeps you guessing. Because I can appreciate that it's like one of those things where you would never be able to guess this, which pisses some people off because some people are like, well, it's just convoluted for the sake of it. But at the same time, like I am so rarely surprised by a lot of horror movies that I appreciate when they throw those curveballs where it's like, fuck it, we're just going to give you some type of crazy twist that you'll never see coming. And Mm -hmm. It is shocking at the end of the day, though, like once the shock wears off, it's like, was it a good ending? Maybe not the best or was the twist the best ending? No, it's more about the journey and getting there sometimes than the end result. Yeah. But uh, in terms of the characters, like we've got a whole new cast of characters other than, of course, Tobin Bell, who Mm -hmm. is probably in, what, five minutes of this movie? Like it it kills me how little of these movies he's in, Mm -hmm. considering like thinking back to the original films, especially like two and three. Mm -hmm. He's in so much of them. Yeah. And then thinking about how he's just regulated to these 10 minute or less cameos. I think mm-hmm. in the final chapter, he was probably on screen for less than five minutes, like yeah. two minutes mm-hmm. rocking that, uh, that horrific disguise. <laughs> but uh, what did you think of some of these characters? Right. Cause much like the first saw, we have another doctor who's the protagonist, who's mm-hmm. the, well, he's the protagonist uh, from the medical police examiner portion of the storyline, Logan Nelson. Mm-hmm. And then you also have Anna who is one of the people that's in the game. Yep. What do you think of these characters? Um, I mean, I think that when we look at past characters, for instance, right? Like uh, our old friend Jeff, you know, the guy <laughs> where is my daughter? Who's, yeah. You know, said that in five different movies and <laughs> him and his agent made a killing. God bless him. <laughs> um, 
I, I think that when you look at characters from the past, even if you didn't like them, you are kind of rooting for them, mm. right? I don't think anyone gives a shit about any of the characters yeah. in this. Like, not the detective, how you were saying, Detective Halloran, he's like, you know, I think his, you know, kind of character direction was like a Clint Eastwood-esque guy. <laughs> yeah. And he just didn't really, I think he overdoes it a little bit. Um, just a little. Yeah. Uh, Clay Benet, uh, uh, who plays, uh, was it Detective... Detective Keith. I, he honestly comes off like as an arrogant goofball, which is <laughs> a very weird combination to have in a Saw movie. Yeah. Um, and typically those guys don't live. Um, so <laughs> it was... He, he did live through this, right? I don't think he died. Yeah, he lives. Yeah. Um, he kind of just disappeared, actually, if I remember correctly. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you talk about the core, I guess, characters, the the guys that are in the traps, the guys and gals, rather, um, and then the two doctors, basically, are the two, uh, what would you call them? The folks in the morgue? Yeah, they're morticians, morticians yeah. or they work for the, there's like a CSI department that they mm-hmm. visit at one point. Yeah. The, the, the B.J. Wong character in Law and the Rescue. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but I just... They they either don't look the part of what they're supposed to play, or they don't do, in my opinion, a good enough job of like actually portraying who they are. Like, Amanda, in those first four movies, man, so she good. is... She plays a junkie role, and she mm-hmm. does it very, very well. <laughs> that... Uh, the blonde girl was it Anna? Uh, no, no, it was uh, Carly. Carly, there we go. I mean, like seriously, it was just it was just bad, and and I think that there was a lot a lot more that they could have done to develop their characters or to actually learn about more about what their mistakes mm-hmm. were, or like what led them down this path. I mean, particularly with Carly, you see that. She steals, she, you know, she's a, a purse a purse snatcher, yeah. and she, apparently she steals an old woman's purse or someone that had asthma. She steals the inhaler, and that woman dies over whatever three dollars and fifty eight cents or whatever it was, right? Yeah. I like. You look uh, on the uh, the needles, basically that uh, you know that particular test is it, that she has to take two needles that are filled with um uh what was it like the one of them is the antidote one of them is saline and then one of them is put is acid yeah there we go um and at the beginning of that scene they look at it and there are numbers on it and one of them correlates to that yeah like i don't know there has to be some sort of logic associated (laughs) with this in a way right um that was the thing to me where Again, it turned from this is actually a game that somebody can win into it's just needless death. Um, yeah. As we learn about Buckethead, I believe his name was, the, <laughs> the first guy who actually isn't who we think he is, essentially. It's, there's an interesting twist to that. He should have survived when that happened and the door didn't open up for whatever. Like It's just things like that that kind of tarnish for me the storyline and in turn, it just starts to tarnish the the entirety of what that movie is supposed to be or relatively in the same sphere of what it's supposed to be. Um, so again, while 
it's I, I keep going back to the fact that this is the eighth movie in a series, <laughs> so I can't be expecting you know Leonardo DiCaprio to walk through the door. <laughs> I also wish that there there's a lot to be desired about this movie, in my opinion. Yeah. So what I'll say about characters is, is that I. Again, like a lot of the dialogue is not the best and whatnot. And by the eighth film in the series, I'm not expecting, you know, as cliched as it is to say, like I'm not expecting Shakespeare, but Mm -hmm. it's more about characters that are being introduced. You can't see them going anywhere. You can't see a development or anything like, Mm -hmm. and again, like not to say that, um, Amanda from the original, from the first three films was necessarily the deepest character or anything like that. Shawnee Smith sells that role so well that- you can see there being a real growth there. Mm-hmm. Whereas everybody here, they're kind of just like there. They're most majority of them are just there because they're like pretty faces or mm-hmm. they're handsome or whatever. Um, the only person I would say that kind of, I wish there had been a little bit more of her was uh, Han- uh, Hannah Emily Anderson, who plays uh, L, who is mm-hmm. the uh, mortician assistant, um, who actually kind of like, again, like in soft fashion, there's this whodunit narrative yeah. where... Lots of people are starting to become suspects for who's helping Jigsaw because supposedly mm-hmm. Jigsaw's dead. And so L is one of them. Um, I thought that she was the only person in this movie that really stood out yeah. as being somebody that like, sure, I could see it's interesting this angle where, yeah, she's a suspect because she's obsessed with Jigsaw. She's obsessed with the website that has formed around him. There's mm-hmm. this fandom. We find out at one point that she's actually like recreating all of his traps yeah. as uh, a hobby, which... <laughs> Whew, that's a that's a lifestyle choice if there ever was one, but it's the type of thing where at least her character seems like there could be some growth there. Even if she is the red herring and she's not going to end up being the jigsaw person, at least you could see how potentially like her being involved, her being obsessed, and then becoming an uh, suspect. Mm-hmm. Perhaps that's what pushes her to become the next jigsaw or something right. like that. But of course, it never goes there. But mm-hmm. in terms of like. Everybody else, though, it's just like the most generic sort of like everybody looks like they uh, were picked out of like a Hollister photo shoot or something (laughs) like that, which it's a very kind of like CW quality to it, uh, which I'm not a fan of. But I will say for as sort of just generic and vanilla and the dialogue, of course, is not the best. I will say and there's definitely a lot of like melodrama between characters and things like that, especially like Logan Nelson and uh, detective Hall- uh, Halloran. Mm-hmm. Like there's this constant back and forth, like, Oh, he was responsible for my, uh, the guy that killed my wife. Basically he let them go or something like that, mm-hmm. or he was involved in that. So they hate each other at the end of the day though. I think jigsaw succeeds at not looking quite as cheap and trashy as the other films do while it still has those qualities in other ways. Yeah. Like, one of my big gripes with the previous two Saw films was they looked like shit, I thought. Yeah. I thought they looked like <laughs> Days, uh, whatever those soap operas are, mm-hmm. Days Gone By or whatever the hell it's called, um, or Living Daylights. But it's lost a lot of that. And that was actually something that they set out to do with this film, which was the film is specifically written as a way to minimize on the torturous and extreme violence of the previous series and instead opting for a feeling of claustrophobia along with gloss and style. Now... I guess this movie is just as torturous while not having a ton of actual like gore and whatnot or excessive gore. Like there's, there's bits and moments of it, right? Of course. But I feel like it's not nearly as gory as the other films, which I think is a mistake because that's like a huge draw of these films. But at the same time, I appreciate that they were at least going for something a little different. Mm -hmm. I don't think they succeeded in that regard, but it's, 
a nice deviation from what could have been. Yeah. At the same time, though, I think they do, and while it's very light on style, it does have a certain polish to it. A gloss might be a, uh, an overestimation of what they accomplish here, but I am a fan of the way the movie looks compared to the past films. Yeah. They move away from that sort of just generic, very static sort of uh, film style and whatnot that just, mm-hmm. it makes the entire thing just look like, yeah, they're on a soundstage, whereas... In this, you know, the, a lot of the decisions they maybe make aren't the best. But right. at the same time, at least the movie kind of just looks like a normal movie instead of having that sort of apparent trashiness look to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I mean, particularly the 3D uh, <laughs> yeah. movie compared to this. Uh, this is certainly light years ahead of it. Thank God they didn't um, continue with that. Yeah, no, that <laughs> I think they learned their lesson, especially with a, a lower budget being utilized. But yeah. um, what would you say was your, the most memorable death for you in, in this series? Yeah, let's get in into movie? let's get into some of the traps. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I think that this movie probably has some of the least inventive traps out of the whole series. Again, mm-hmm. though, this is the type of thing where it's on its own, it's disappointing because there's almost no creativity in this compared to the other films. Even some of the worst Saw films have had creative moments, like the final chapter, which is is easily the worst of the series, and we haven't seen Spiral yet. Um, there was that kind of the whisper trap, right? The mm-hmm. one where every time the girl makes noise, she's in this contraption. Every time she screams, the needles get closer to her neck. So like trying to balance doing this thing that's excruciating right. and then not making sound. So mm-hmm. it didn't look the most creative, but it is a creative spin on something that is inherently part of ripping a key out of your intestines, right? Right. You're going to scream. It's going to be painful, all this stuff Mm -hmm. in this. I feel there's none of that. Um, and even some of the gore is not the best. It's kind of very fleeting, which Mm -hmm. again, they wanted to move away from that, which I think there's a better way in handling that. Maybe just less kills and more graphic kills. You know what I mean? Like it's less is more in that instance. But in this, I mean, What's the best kill? Maybe when that the girl injects her, or she's forced to inject herself with these needles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, then you get this gross sort of practical work where you see that, like, the acid uh, bled through her neck. And then when they're doing the autopsy, you see that the acid went down her jugular, down into her heart or something yeah. like that. Like, it's pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like, that's just a practical dummy lying there. There right. isn't a lot of creativity in that but also there's no kind of like ingenuity in how it's actually presented to the audience other than here's this fucked up dummy i mean other than that there's people getting decapitated one guy one guy gets his leg cut off one girl fires a shotgun and it backfires that had the keys in it which we'll get into which is i again that was like the perfect sort of just like jigsaw send off Mm because it's kind of just like listen I gave you the key to your salvation. You chose not to listen right. kind of thing, which granted that one was a little bit on the nose, but, uh, mm-hmm. oh, well, I guess since we're talking about kills, it has to be detective Halloran's, right? That is probably the best one where him and Dr. Logan are both, and we'll get into it, but they both have these laser cutters around their necks right. and they have to confess. Otherwise the lasers are going to slice and dice their head. Mm-hmm. And of course it's revealed that detective Logan is jigsaw's accomplice. Mm-hmm. Which kind of ties into the original film, right? You had Dr. Gordon, who we found out in the final chapter, medical expert. He's been helping Jigsaw. So that's kind of a nice callback or interesting callback, I guess. Um, But seeing like Detective Halloran's like entire head just get flayed into 15 (laughs) different pieces, like a salami was very graphic and gruesome. And it was, 
not the most egregious use of CGI we've seen in uh, any of these movies, but I thought that that was probably the most memorable. How about you? I mean, I think uh, to your point, they put all of their budget for like deaths into that one CGI yeah. kill. Um, I personally very much enjoyed uh, Mitch, uh, played by the wonderful Mandela Van Peebles. Um, his death. Again, the fact that there wasn't more gore associated with it uh, was kind of a letdown, but I thought that was a pretty ingenious uh, like death trap that he was put in. Mm. Uh, it's basically some sort of like a, a giant tube, mm-hmm. and there's like spinning metal around it, was it? Saw right? blades. Yeah. yeah, saw blades, and essentially if he moved at all he would get hit because he would just start moving in a circle and keep hitting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anna, uh, played by Laura Vandervoort, um, she you know she sticks a, a pipe basically uh, against the blades that are moving uh, the motorcycle that's essentially powering this whole contraption. And I don't know, there was like this brief half second of like hope for them. <laughs> and as we know, in jigsaw, that is very, hope is very fleeting, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and so he ends up dying from that. I personally like, again, just the contraption to that, but um, certainly I think detective Halloran's death. And uh, I guess the, you know, the uh, kind of the reveal at the end of the movie that happens from mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, it was it was interesting. I think, for the most part, you could see that coming pretty far out. Uh, once it, you know, at least for me, when I start to see movies like this, in particular, Saw, start to focus on a particular character, mm. I start to know that that character is not who's the killer. <laughs> right. um, and so when everyone was looking at Hannah, and then you know Logan is telling uh, Detective Keith who is the most gullible motherfucker that we've ever fucking seen. <laughs> he really in did turn, like, right? He can't, he shows up to interview Gordon, um, or not Gordon rather, but Logan, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, we're pretty sure it's you." And then Logan says one thing, and he's like, "Oh man, it could be him." Like <laughs> all the detectives in these movies are so fucking gullible, where it's just like, um, they're moments away from arresting somebody, and then the suspect says one thing, and they're like. Never thought about it like that. Like, right. They're the most gullible people ever. And the other thing is, this guy is apparently an IAB. And the only reason I know what IAB is, is because of Law & Order SVU. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it's internal affairs. So right. Logan says, well, does Detective Halloran know that his partner, he's saying this to Detective Keith, is in with IAB? And then you're like... Well, hold on. That's just super fucking convenient. Like, where the fuck was this? Why? You know what I mean? So, like, I think they... It's kind of like patchwork throughout the film to make the storyline kind of move in the right direction Mm. in some kind of way. Um, But I certainly appreciated the aspect that there was a semi-interesting reveal and they did create, even as much as I might dislike that story (laughs) that they created, it's semi-semblance to to what we were dealing with that they created, essentially. Well, one of the things... I want to take it back for a sec, though, to like... Mitch's character, right? Yeah. And I think that this is one of the most damning indictments of the just the overall story of this film. Like something that really made the previous films' stories flow better, which they aren't necessarily like the best stories, but at least it felt kind of just organic to the world of Saw. It didn't feel like a series of random events kind of 
tied together very loosely, which mm-hmm. is basically what the last four films have been. Right. Um, so the element with Mitch, though, where somehow he ends up coming into Kramer's world because Mitch sold Kramer's nephew a faulty motorcycle and then the guy's motorcycle slows down and then gets hit by a truck or something and dies. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, it's so revealing of the fact that none of these people are really connected at all. They're connected to John, Mm -hmm. which, fine, whatever. But it's always more interesting when all of the people have to figure out, like, this kind of fuels the whodunit aspect of it. All of the victims are trying to discover the mystery of how they're all connected. Right. I thought that that was the best element of even the worst Saw films. Yeah. Um, and I think that the final chapter, again, is like a, just a 90-minute version of that. All these random fucking kills that aren't c- connected almost at all. Right. Um, and especially like with the protagonist of the final chapter... Yeah, they're all connected, but they know how they're connected. They all work together and they're involved in this scam. There's no discovery period, which I think that, again, like I never expect Saw to really be a mystery. Mm-hmm. You Basically, you meet the killer usually within the first 10 minutes of the movie, right. like most uh, like most low-budget mysteries but mm-hmm. or underdeveloped ones. It's just the type of thing where that Mitch connection is so out of left field and then finding out like what Anna's uh, sin is or moral faulty thing is, is that she suffocated her child because it wouldn't stop crying and all the pressures. And then she blames it on the husband and says like, oh, he rolled over and crushed the baby and then he kills himself in prison. Her connection to John is that they were neighbors. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, fine. But at the same time, how would John know any of those details? He wouldn't. He wouldn't know those details because it shows him watching the couple argue on the porch from his house. Mm -hmm. But then all of a sudden he knows what happens behind closed doors inside. Like he would never know that. Right. So there's sort of this flimsy justification of everything. And then none of the victims are actually connected other than John knows them. Right. Which is just like, okay, I guess if you need a story that has a semblance of connecting characters, sure. But I think I just expect more considering we've done this now three times or something. I mean, I think, again, if she was, if Anna was his nurse or something like that, that would at least be semi-plausible to your point. Like, their neighbors, how the fuck is he going to know at 3 a.m. or whatever (laughs) when this happened uh, that it was actually she did it? Uh, Now, to be fair, in the scheme of things... She's the fucking worst person out of that entire group, actually. Um, mm. Even though she seemed to be the the most team player. Per, well, I guess until the end. Um, but I, I don't know what what did you think? I guess do you can we jump to the reveal or? Do oh you, yeah, let's yeah. get into it. So, what did you think of the reveal that essentially? Logan is the reason for, by the way, all of this essentially then. Yeah. Um, Cause he mismatched the, the MRI, I guess that showed that there was a tumor in John's skull. He mislabeled yeah. the names if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that essentially this entire, these storylines are not just uh, separate, but they're separated by whatever it was, 10 years, seven yeah. years. They're not running concurrently to one mm-hmm. another, which Again, like it gets into this weird area talking about Jigsaw and that if this is a true reboot that is going to spawn a series that has a plan moving forwards, it being such a 
smorgasbord of homages to previous films because they have done this now in Saw 2, Saw 3, and a couple other ones. I'm pretty sure they've kind of just fucked with the timeline. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those curveballs you would never see coming generally. Right. Except on listening back or reading about it, I was like, oh, wait, at one point, all the victims don't know who's doing this. And they even say that at one point when we were watching it together, Mm -hmm. I was like, how the fuck do they not? Like, how many serial killers are there that are doing this? And then I realized afterwards, I was like, oh, that's because this is the first game. Mm-hmm. And so that element, I think, is interesting when you talk about this being a reboot. But when on, on its own, it just kind of feels lazy, right? It just feels like you're taking something that's been done and just replicating it. Yeah. Um, which I'm just so split on it. You know what I mean? Because we've been fairly negative, but... At the same time, this is very watchable in a way where it's kind of just like it hits those saw beats. Yeah. You've got some moments of brutality. You've got this melodrama that's like pretty laughable, but it's right. in an enjoyable way. Kind mm-hmm. of like you're kind of just taking the piss out of it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it just kind of feels lazy. And I guess mm-hmm. it. I would say that like if you now that we're com- trying to compare it amongst the rest of the series... It's the type of thing where the final chapter was just like awful. It was just bad across the board. Even the kills, like it lacks all of that. Right. At least Jigsaw is like a polished, lazy mess. I don't even know I would call it a mess to be honest, because the way that it flows is much more natural than the final chapter. Right. It's just I'm kind of just indifferent to it in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? As a reboot, you're like, okay, so this is basically just the first three films, Mm -hmm. to which I would almost excuse most of my shortcomings because you're like, they have to catch a new audience up or reintroduce saw and the, whatever the elements of it that are become the staples and then moving forward, start taking some risks. Right. But when you don't really have that, especially when you look at the release between this and spiral and I would assume they're planning more in the future spiral two or whatever. Mm -hmm. At the same time, we don't know how many years that's going to be. It's not churning them out. And again, it's so I'm so torn on just like, my thoughts on the future of it because you're like, yeah, I don't want it to be a yearly thing, right? but it doesn't seem like there's a blueprint plan for this. It seems like they're going by a movie to movie success. Like Mm -hmm. if one of them is successful, they'll do another one. It doesn't feel like there's a real narrative path that they're taking, you know, not to sort of compare it to uh, the Marvel method or anything like that with the phases, Mm -hmm. but at least with those movies, you kind of can see, where those are leading. Like there's a right. grander scale behind it. You get the sense that there's actually the the magician behind the curtain. Whereas right. with Saw, there's just a curtain. And if you're lucky, you get something somewhat soon after the release of the previous one, you might just never see anything behind the curtain again. Yeah. And I think that that's when you are framing it, like this is a reboot and then there's no real clear path for the future. Yes. I don't necessarily that doesn't instill a great deal of viewer confidence in me or yeah. fandom confidence, I would assume, for people that are the more diehard fans of the series. What did you think, though, of how they kind of just handle the whole twist and wrapping it up? No, I would agree. I mean, I think you know, you know, when we're talking about Marvel movies, I, I totally know where, where that goes. So, like, that's a really good <laughs> reference for me. But, um, but for those that don't remember, Bernie has never seen a Marvel movie or <laughs> has never enjoyed one. Uh, yeah, Caveats to those, but you, we, that's a, a different conversation for a different time. Uh, but that being <laughs> said, though, I think the biggest point that I took away from this movie is just, and, and maybe this is not the most kosher thing to say, but just how unbelievably shitty the final chapter was, <laughs> where this is 
like, even as much as I hated the storyline, I hated the characters, this is so much better than the garbage that we watched <laughs> in that movie to where it seems... I guess normal is a relative term, especially when it comes to Saw movies, but it's certainly, it's it's a departure from the the hell of shit that we were in watching <laughs> Final Chapter yeah. and to something that resembles what we actually love about right. Saw, right? Um, but to your point, I think you hit the nail on the head. The fact that there isn't a clear direction from this on how this is supposed to go, and this is a reboot, mm -hmm. there's just so many questions that come to that then. Again, I think that that is another big piece why this movie, uh, again, it leaves much to be desired. Yeah, and I think that when you are starting a reboot, right, it's the type of thing where if this movie wasn't successful, okay, they probably wouldn't have left it like hinting for the next one, right? Because it is a gamble after a dec almost a decade, I suppose, to a certain degree, even though these movies just shit money. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the type of thing where you don't even see a future for mm -hmm. the Saw universe after watching this, right? It's this idea that they don't set up anybody to be a long-standing figure in this universe. There's no unanswered questions. And granted, you don't necessarily want to leave. I'm not suggesting like a cliffhanger, but I don't see any growth for anything that's happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't even try to tie in Dr. Logan to the rest of the films from the previous ones like they did with Dr. Gordon, which actually thinking about it, like that was the one element of the final chapter that I liked, right? It, you get that brief cutscene or that brief moment of uh, flashbacks where it's him assisting in all these traps that are like part of the Saw lore that we're all familiar with. Dr. Logan, though, he comes out of nowhere and he's all of a sudden this staple of Jigsaw's world and Saw and all this stuff. But I can never see him or anybody else ever continuing with the Saw universe. Yeah. Or there's no unanswered questions, really. It's mm -hmm. just like, okay, that was a Saw movie. We're going to move on. Right. And I always want that in my movies. I want there to be that type. I mean, it's part of why like, I love those old slashers where it's just like, oh, we killed the bad guy in the last five seconds of the movie. No, you didn't. Right. Like that type of shit. Or they <laughs> leave sort of the shit. There's uh, a bit of doubt introduced. Mm -hmm. Because... They might never do another one of those movies, but there's the inkling that they might. There's right. You can see where they might be building towards. With Jigsaw, it just ends, and I'm like, I mean, I guess this is the most bare-bones competent reboot you could ever do for this. Yeah. Because the bar was pretty low to begin with, but the bar was pretty fucking low to begin with, right? right. <laughs> it would be, um, you would get an award for fucking up this reboot based off of the previous one. Mm -hmm. It's just the type of thing, though, where it's completely forgettable that it's such a missed opportunity. And I think that's the root of it, right? It's a yeah. shame. It's a missed opportunity because they haven't done one of these again in almost 10 years. That gives a director, like they have to play by a certain framework and rule book just because, hey, we're giving you one of the most profitable horror franchises ever. Right. You have to hit these certain things to tie the fan or rope the fandom back in. At the same time though, it's such an opportunity to take a risk, to do yeah. something new, to make your mark on a series that's now getting its eighth film and ninth mm -hmm. film. And I mean, with the success of this, like you said, they made a hundred mil, give or take, off of a $10 million budget. The, immediately Lionsgate greenlit a ninth and a tenth film. The ninth being Spiral, and I assume the tenth is going to be Spiral 2 based on how that did. Right. But this film takes zero risks. It's just a hodgepodge of old callbacks and things like that. To a degree that when we see there's, there's no real plan for these movies, 
it comes off as just feeling lazy and forgettable. Yeah. And it's not a surprise that Jigsaw was one of the few Saw films that I'd seen previous to us doing the series review, and I remembered nothing about it other than Tobin Bell's in it. But at this yeah. point, that's a fucking given. I mean, that's pretty much just my feelings on it, right? It's a pretty forgettable reboot, mm-hmm. which is more of a shame than it is kind of just grueling, like yeah. a lot of the uh, the last two or three Saw films have been, which mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it kind of just feels like a waste of time watching it rather yeah. than, oh, this was a waste of my time. You know what I mean? That type mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, I think, again, looking at Spiral as well, and you see Chris Rock is in it, man... You couldn't, they couldn't have shelled out two, three more million to get some kind of like, again, I, I don't mean to shit on those actors. I'm sure they're, you know, they're very nice people, but like they could have gotten an A-list actor or, you know, even a B-list actor, no offense to them, but like <laughs> something that could have helped carry this, that could have, again, taken the reins of Tobin Bell, you know, again, maybe not lived up to it fully, but at least there's a continuation that we can expect into, let's say there's a, a movie after this, which there there was with Spiral. Um, that, I think, to me, again, if you're looking at it from a perspective of you're trying to reboot a franchise, with all due respect, I mean, again, this was 2017. I don't remember how famous Matt P- Passmore was. <laughs> or Mandela Van Peebles, but I, I think, you know, again, they, they certainly missed uh, missed an opportunity to really, I think, recapture the what made Saw good mm. um, and potentially, you know, create this into a, you know, another four or five part series. That, again, being said, they made $100 million, so <laughs> I apparently my uh, opinion doesn't matter much on that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, to your point, overall, I think... This is certainly a movie that is watchable. Mm. Um, it's, you know, if you're just having a, a couple people over and you're having a few beers and you just want to watch a, a shitty movie, this is a great <laughs> option for it. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you know, it's it certainly, there's a, a lot more to be desired from a movie like this, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But I think... Uh... We're now going to be tackling, next week we'll be tackling the first Saw film that we'll be on equal footing for, right? Mm Because neither of us have seen Spiral. Mm -hmm. And apparently this is like a fresh start, right? Essentially this feels like, from just the marketing stuff that we've seen, it feels like they're doing another reboot, right? A complete rebranding. Mm -hmm. And I think initially it seemed like this was being portrayed more as a detective story rather than just another series of like gratuitous gore and traps and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I think the whole entire rebranding of it being called literally like spiraled from the book of saw, essentially it seems like they're trying to distance themselves from the perception of what saw is again. Right. Cause they tried to do that with jigsaw. I guess they said, they said that more than they actually showed that in the final uh, product. But with Spiral, it seems that maybe we'll be getting sort of a mishmash of the two, right? More of a detective, which is an element that I like that they never quite capitalized on in the Saw movies. But it's always kind of been in the back of my mind, like, oh, it'd be great if they could kind of bring back this sort of idea that, oh, there's actually a mystery here. It's not just a series of limbs getting ripped off and shredded and stuff like that. But those are all elements that I think are great. It's mm-hmm. just that you need I need a bit more substance at this point, especially when... You're rebranding it and you've got this talent involved now, which is the most high profile talent that there's ever been associated with Saw. I mean, you've got Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson. Uh, I'm sure there's one or two more I'm forgetting in there, but they've got the biggest names that 
Saw has ever seen. Yeah. And that's not by accident that they've rebranded it as Spiral from the Book of Saw, right? I think Chris Rock is even a producer on the film. Um, it's the type of thing where they are really trying to move away from that sort of uh, pigeonholed identity of Saw, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, that's completely warranted, right? As being, the, like, quote-unquote torture porn. I think the first episode we said we were going to run out of uh, the amount of times that we could say that. Like, take a <laughs> shot every time we say that. But it's the type of thing where they have that baggage, essentially, with people that aren't into Saw. Right. Now, if you can repackage that from the outside and make it seem like it's something that it's not, and it's a new breath fresh breath there sure i could see that working in a way now how it actually turns out is anybody's guess but i think it's also important to note that spiral is being directed by saw alum darren lynn boozman yep. who did saw two three and four mm-hmm. um which i think two and three are two of the strongest saw films in the franchise yeah. i think that's safe to say four was okay um but i think that two and three are two of the strongest and it's reassuring that we have this sort of elder statesman of the Saw universe coming back, yeah. essentially. And I believe he was a co-writer as well. No, he was not. But it seems that Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, who are two writers from uh, the Saw universe, are coming back to write this. And, you know, Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson, can't fuck this up too much with those two involved. I'm going to knock on wood because God only knows. Um, But (laughs) I I have faith in those guys. I mean, again, if they can somehow repackage it in a way that it it creates its own kind of look and feel to it, but still carries on somehow the torch of of Tobin Bell's uh, jigsaw, I'm going to be happy with it. Um, but honestly, I think my expectations are so low at this point that <laughs> anything even moderately good that they do will be a home run in my eyes. So mm. uh, I'm certainly looking forward to, to watching that with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I really can't wait. And it's one that I think that's kind of what was the genesis of us wanting to do the series review. Yeah. So it's one of those things where finally it's on video on demand and all that. I mean, it was over the summer, but mm-hmm. in getting there right. uh, has been quite the journey. But yeah, I'm thrilled that we get to uh, not only get to do these in person now with one yeah. another, but also that we're reaching the end of this because I think hopefully they've saved the best for last or maybe <laughs> the most inventive for uh, last mm-hmm. since we've seen over the course of the last two films, which were definite low points. But uh, as always, Bernie, it's a pleasure chatting saw and horror with you for Daily Horror Habit. I appreciate you, man. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.